This is Behind the Game, Episode 6. Today, as I record this, marks the 30-year anniversary of the shot heard around the world, literally. Michael Jordan's series-clinching jumper at Cleveland in Round 1 of the 1989 NBA Playoffs. Here in Australia, we didn't get to watch the shot with the same immediacy as those of you in the USA. ABC Australia would eventually air the game on June the 9th, 34 days later. ABC Australia carried NBA telecasts from the 1989 through 1991 seasons. Here's an excerpt from ABC Australia's telecast. The voice you'll hear is that of Peter G., a name synonymous to those of us old enough to remember the glory days of the NBA on Australian television. Welcome to the first round decider between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls, the fifth game of the series that may not have come about if that man Michael Jordan hadn't missed crucial free throws in the final 48 seconds of regulation time in Game 4. As it was, the Cavs won in overtime, and now Jordan's Bulls have to win in Cleveland to clinch the series. It must be remembered, however, that despite Chicago having beaten Cleveland 3-2 in the first round of the 1988 playoffs, most people predicted a clean sweep for Cleveland this year. After all, they'd won all six in the regular season. But Chicago upset them in Cleveland in the first game of the playoffs and looked like making it 3-1, as Michael Jordan predicted, until he missed those two from the line. Here's how the starting fives match up. Pippen on Larry Nance, Horace Grant on John Williams, who's starting at Ford for only his second game. The seven-footers Bill Cartwright and Brad Doherty are in the middle. Ron Harper has got the job on Jordan, who's thrown 94 points in his last two games. And three-point specialist Craig Hodges has Mark Price, who's playing with a groin strain. That audio is sourced from my original VHS cassette recording, lovingly digitised by a great mate of mine, Todd Spear. The excerpt you're about to hear is from my in-depth chat with a great friend of the show, Craig Elo, the man who had the unenviable task of defending Michael Jordan. Here, Craig details how the game's final plays unfolded. Michael had just scored on a shot. Um, they had the ball with 19 seconds, and they worked the clock almost perfectly and got it down to six seconds, and he takes a nice little banker with me behind him and uh, Larry Nance in front of him and puts it down, and then they know that there's six seconds left, so we go to our timeout, and Coach Wilkins, is uh, his X's and O's are as good as anyone. That's why he's a Hall of Fame coach. He knew what to do. He knew that the Bulls would concentrate on our two consistent scorers and Mark Price and Ron Harper. He stuck them over on the offside of the ball, put Larry Nance right down on the block, and he got Brad right in the middle between Mark and Ron, and Big Brad was going to set big old screens on both of those guys and try to get them open and try to keep that whole side over there occupied while I just threw that ball into Larry Nance when no one was looking. And sure enough, Coach said, okay, when the guy's guarding you out of bounds, watch his feet. When he jumps, you throw it. So when he's up in the air, the ball is in the air to your teammate. Now you've got to jump on him. And then he said, you know what you do? It's a give and go. That's all it is. It's just a simple give and go. And it worked to perfection. I had a clear path. I meant Michael came over at the last second when he saw it, but he was too late. I'd already laid it up and... You know, you could hear people screaming in the stands just like, yeah, 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 Cleveland's going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It's not the Bulls. <laughs> so they were very thrilled until they stepped up and looked at the clock and said three seconds. 
in that previous play that you did mention when Jordan hit the shot with about six seconds left, it seemed like as he went by you, his elbow clipped you in the face on the play. Can you just talk about that for a moment? Yeah, it caught me pretty good. Um, Normally, I'm not saying I'm this tough guy that can do anything, bounce off. I'm not Superman. Normally, stuff like that did not ever affect me, but he just caught me kind of square in the temple and rung my bell a little bit, and it was nothing, you know, flagrant at all about it. He was just running and just, bam, you know, my face was right where his elbow was going. That just gave him that little bit of freedom where he saw Larry Nance coming over. He pulled up in front of him and leaned back a little bit and threw that nice little lean back shot that he had and right into the rim. Can you please break down that final three seconds and talk about its lasting impact, particularly as you were the guy who tried to do all possible, all humanly possible, (laughs) to try and block Jordan's jumper as time expired? First of all, let me tell you, that, that series was unbelievable, uh, a series, a five-game first-round series. And then uh, the fifth game was at our place because uh, we actually were the higher seed at that time. We were the three, they were the six. The game was nip and tuck all game long. I don't think either team had a bigger lead than seven points uh, throughout the game. And the last minute was we scored, they scored, we scored, they scored kind of a thing back and forth. And uh, luckily for me, I was on some of those scoring, uh, hit a couple of threes and, and then also the layup that put it ahead. But with the three seconds left, the Bulls called timeout, uh, drew up their play. It wasn't a very difficult play to understand. They had Michael Jordan and all they had to do was just find a way to get him open. Uh, we had one timeout left. Uh, as soon as we walked out of our timeout and Chicago set up, we called our timeout to set our defense. And, of course, that gave Chicago a chance to change it, but they didn't. They walked right back out, set up the same way, and we decided in our timeout that we were going to take the man off of the ball, uh, which was Larry Nance. And uh, that goes against everything that Coach Wilkins ever coached in, in basketball. Remember, he's a Hall of Fame coach uh, and a Hall of Fame player. He took a man off the ball where he was always pretty adamant about having someone to take the vision away from the passer, but put Larry Nance in front of Michael Jordan and uh, put me behind him, and uh, we were going to double-team him and try to keep him from getting the ball. But uh, I think he took one step to the right, got Larry off balance, and uh, then broke out to the sideline on the left wing, caught the ball there where I was uh, at that point chasing him. And uh, as soon as I was chasing him out to the wing, he was uh, changed directions, was heading back to the free throw line. So I had to turn my direction and run. Uh, normally, uh, I was always thought that, you know, I was a pretty good defensive player because I was very fundamentally sound, stayed down, kept a good wide base. But at that point, I was chasing him in a full sprint back to the free throw line. So when he stops and pulls up for his jumper, he's going straight up. I'm still running, which is, you know, bad defensive position to to be running. And uh, I jumped about the same time he did, but it was like, you know, E.T. flying over the moon. I was just, (laughs) I just flew right by him and uh, and had my hand up long enough to make him hold his shot for a tenth of a second. But as soon as I went by, he let go. And all I could do was turn and watch and pray that the shot, you know, hit the rim or bounced out or something. And uh, it was a little long and it was a little flat, not a normal uh, looking shot for Michael but it was able to hit the back of the rim and uh, just go right through the net. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! The Bulls win! the Cleveland Cavaliers! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. 1-100. In stunned silence here in the Coliseum. That was it. Uh, end of story. Uh, they had the thrill of victory, and the Cavaliers had the agony of defeat.
and uh, it propelled the Bulls into their runs. Now, they didn't beat the Pistons that year. Uh, Pistons wind up winning the NBA championship in 89, but they paid their dues. They uh, beat us a higher seed in the first round and was able to take the Pistons to a seven-game series. So, And in the next few years, is history. Uh, the Bulls win three straight, and uh, I think uh, anybody in Chicago would tell you that the shot that Michael hit is, is one that actually propelled uh, the Bulls into those championships. And a big apple waits for you. We're going to New York, baby. If that last shot hadn't gone down, Craig Elo would have been the man they were all talking about. But the moment was destined to be Michael Jordan's. We'll put a bow on this episode with words from Bernie Lincecum's prescient opening paragraphs that appeared in the following day's Chicago Tribune. Quote, One assumes that Michael Jordan has not finished reinventing himself, that one day there will be another shot more dramatic than the one he made to beat Cleveland Sunday. That, in a career already festooned by Olympic gold medals and NCAA winning shots and limitless applause, there is still more to come. There are yet greater goals and more breathless moments to imagine. End quote. Explore my podcast archives to uncover further episodes that add even greater context to this iconic moment in NBA history. There are conversations with the Jordan Rules author and Basketball Hall of Famer Sam Smith, Cleveland Cavaliers great Mark Price, Chicago Bulls players Bill Cartwright and Sam Vincent, all three who appeared in this game, and last but not least, Chicago broadcasting veteran Cheryl Ray Stout. Finally, the aforementioned Todd Spear, at Todd Spear, S-P-E-H-R 35, on Twitter, kindly advised the date that this famous game aired on Australian TV. Thank you very much for your assistance, mate.